Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. So tonight we're going to be talking about eyes uh, to see. How many how many of you believe it's important to have eyes to see? Not only naturally, of course, but yet in the form of how God wants us to see. So there's five, five points. Uh, can you say, oh, me? My wife would be like shaking her head at me right now. She's watching babies, so I might give her a workout. She just had to stay in there for a little while. Uh, number one, healthy eyes. Number two, eyes to see the heart. Number three, eyes of understanding. Number four, eyes of revelation. And number five, covenant eyes. So we have verses uh, to go with each one of these, and I'm going to just kind of share from my heart a little bit. So healthy eyes. Let's look at three different verses. Uh, I'm sorry, we're we're not planned with this tonight. Kind of got behind today. Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Psalms 101, 3. I will not set before me, or set before my eyes, excuse me, anything that is worthless. Let me say that again. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. And then the last one for this point, Luke chapter 11, verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Now, healthy eyes has everything to do with what we look at, what we allow ourselves to focus on, what we continually examine naturally and through spiritual eyes. It's important to be on guard and to know when to say yes and when to say no with the content that comes into our physical view. But I would also say it's just as important to be on guard and to allow or not allow what we see spiritually. So it says uh, in in Luke, Luke and Matthew are similar, uh, a little added extra from Luke, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. When it is bad, your body is full of darkness. So when your eye is healthy, it's good. When your eye is bad, it is full of darkness. If you really think about that, what is it, what is it really meaning? Does it mean the ability to see 2020? Not at all. What it means 
is when your eye is viewing that which is healthy for you, that which is good for your mind, that which is good for your spirit, that which is good for your body, that which is good for your relationships, that, that which is good for whatever God has placed in your heart, that which is good for your career. When your eye is healthy, when my eyes focuses on that which is right, then my whole system is healthy. But when my eye focuses on that which is unhealthy, on which is bad, when my eye focuses on negative, on sin, on that which opposes a God, then it affects my whole being. Now, I, to, to, to bring this home a little bit over the last couple of years, what began to happen to people the more they begin to watch the news concerning the pandemic? Fear, anxiety, worry, depression, anger, division. The list goes on. In my position, I dealt with people on both sides of the tracks. And I can honestly say, the people that looked at that the most was the people that was the most unhealthiest through it. But the people who looked at what God was doing, what God was promising, chose to look at a positive side of the news or the word was better able to cope with everything that we had to deal with over the last couple of years. So God wants us to have healthy eyes directly because God wants to direct our bodies. Our whole being is confined within our bodies. God wants to bless our beings. Hopefully you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants you blessed. So God wants to bless your being. God wants to use your being for his glory, for someone else's benefit. But he is not going to be able to do that if your body is not healthy. And your body is not going to be healthy if, you're, if we do not have healthy eyes. Amen? Number two, let's move on. Eyes to see the heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So much harm has been done in life because people has failed to see the heart of a person. I have been on the receiving end of that numerous amounts of times, and I'm sure many of you have too. When someone judged you incorrectly, when someone maybe heard something you said or heard of something you did or maybe saw something you did, but they didn't know the whole story. They didn't see the whole picture. They didn't recognize the other side of the coin. 
And because of that, maybe you was talked about, lied about, maybe you were judged. <coughs> maybe there was issues in the relationship with the other person, all because someone just did not see your heart. So oftentimes, people are judged, they're mistreated, and they're rejected. And it's based off of maybe their actions, their past, the way they look, how much money they have or don't have, maybe based off of their education. And so many times, it's done without knowing and without considering people's hearts. Now, I made the emphasis that we have been on the receiving end of, the, uh, of that, but if I was a betting man, I would probably lay down a good chunk of change to say that we've also, many of us, have been on the giving end of that. We have received judgment because someone didn't know our heart, but we have also given judgment because we have not dug into deeper waters of someone's circumstances to know their heart. I have found out in, in, in my position over many years that more times than not that there is an issue in the heart that causes someone to say or do what they've done. And for me, it has helped me out to have an understanding of this person's heart. The understanding of someone's heart has a greater uh, possibility of an extended or an increase of grace, of mercy. I've, I used to get mad when I, when, when I would uh, be served in a rude way, let's say at a restaurant, especially if it was more of a high-dollar restaurant. And maybe out of age or out of maturity or maybe out of knowing the, that's, that type of business better, I begin to realize that, you know what? Maybe that waitress just had a bad day. Maybe that waitress just came out of an abusive relationship. Maybe that waitress just got a $10,000 bill and she's not making the money to take care of that. You, you, you never know. And I have to say, if we, as, God, as, as God's children, this should be something that we are pretty, pretty good at, or we should become good at, because this is really the heart of the Father. For it says in the very last aspect, or the, sorry, for the very last part of this verse, but the Lord looks on the heart. I, see, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really glad that God has not judged my actions, but God has judged my heart because there's been many times that my actions and my heart just didn't line up. And I am so grateful. That's why, that's why there's one, that's why one of the reasons when you see me praise the Lord or just worship the Lord or give him adoration, a big force behind that is what I'm talking about right now. I'm so glad he hasn't judged me by my actions, but he has judged me by my heart. Because I can honestly say with all my heart, I love the Lord. 
and I will give him any and everything that I possibly can. But I can also honestly say that there's sometimes I just miss the mark. And since he does that for me, I feel an obligation to, be rem- to, to remind myself that I must extend that same heart or that same way to people that I deal with. When you look at the Lord's Prayer, uh, we, we, not so much with Koa, I'll, I'll just pray for Koa uh, at times, but with Abigail, me and Laurent on a regular basis, we quote the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer it says, you know, Lord, forgive me of my trespasses or forgive me of my sins, just as I have forgiven those who have sinned against me. And I think this is very applicable. Uh, this, if we are to pray, Lord, please judge my heart and not my actions, then we should back that up or consider just like we have not judged someone's actions but their heart. So what is the heart? The heart is people's reasons. It's people's intent. It's people's attitudes. It's people's plans, just to list a few. And, if, and, and, and to know someone's heart doesn't always mean to get a discernment from the Holy Ghost. More times than not, we won't. More times than not, it requires us actually having a conversation actually being willing to love and find out what that person is about. There's been times, I remember one time a church was having me preach. They, they was without a pastor and we was a possible candidate. Uh, never worked out. I, I, I never submitted resume or anything like that. But we, we went and we, I think we preached. I don't know, we went. And I was introduced to one of the board members he was really rude. And there, I had a family member that was a part of that church, and they got very upset that he was rude to us. But right after he was rude to us, I just had the thought, which was the Holy Spirit, he's been hurt, he's been damaged, and he's upset, and he don't trust you. And sure enough, at dinner after church that day, someone some other leader or maybe some other board member, I don't remember, it was years ago, basically confirmed that. That he'd been hurt, he'd been damaged, he was mad, and he's not going to trust any other pastor that comes in until that pastor wins his trust. And I'm so glad I didn't cop an attitude with him. I could have, because he didn't have no right to be rude to me and my wife. But I didn't, simply because I realized it was a little bit deeper than what it seemed. Wouldn't there be so much more peace, so much more unity, so much more expression of love if we made it a point to judge someone's heart as opposed to their actions? doesn't mean people don't reap what they sow. You might have a bad day. And you slap me, you, uh, you better hope I'm having a good day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I'm having a good day, I, I might follow Jesus' rule, turn the other cheek. But if I'm having a bad day and you're having a bad day, 
it don't matter your heart, I might be coming after you. <laughs> I'm just being real. I'm just being real. I'm human. At least I'll go and ask for forgiveness afterwards. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on to number three. I, I thought that was a good point. That was personally challenging for myself. Number three, eyes of understanding. Psalms 119, 18. Oh, what happened? It's done. It must have. Let me look it up real fast. I want to read it to you. It must have, for whatever reason, uh, if someone can get it faster than I can, then you're by, more than welcome to read it. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Let me say it again. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Eyes of understanding. Open my eyes that I may see or behold wondrous things in your law. So what does this mean? Number one, it means to see how to understand the word of God for how it is meant. It's one thing to see the word of God. It's another thing to see it and understand it. There's been a lot of bad theology and a lot of bad, uh, bad interpretations of Scripture that has been the foundation of various denominations and groups simply because they didn't have the eyes of understanding when it came to the laws of God. See, it also means to see how to, pl- to apply the word for general application and personal application. You've heard me say this numerous times, and I will always say this because it's so important to get ingrained. There is the Logos Word of God, and there is the Rhema Word of God. So when we have eyes of understanding, we are able to see how to apply the Word of God to our lives in a very general application, like the Ten Commandments. You see... We see the Ten Commandments. We understand the Ten Commandments. That is a very general application to us and everybody else. That is, right, the Logos word. And then the Rhema word, for example, I was having a hard time in a ministry position back in the early 2000s, and I simply asked the Lord, you know, I'm having a, I was praying. I said, I'm having a hard time doing this. How can I keep doing this when my heart's not in it? or when I really don't want to do it, and my heart is in this, and I really want to do this over here. And then the Lord just opened up uh, Jacob, Rachel, and Leah to me. And without going into those details, he basically showed me that in order for Jacob to receive Rachel, he had to embrace Leah. Rachel was his desire. Leah was his calling. And the Lord basically said to me, Jonathan, If you want what your heart desires, your Rachel, then guess what? You're going to have to embrace what I've called you to do, which is your Leah. That was a rhema word for Jonathan Rhodes. Embrace the calling, and he'll bless you with the desires of your heart. So, he allowed me to see that in Scripture. I had the eyes of understanding 
not in a logos or general application of the word, but also in the rhema aspect of the word. The rhema word, what we see as far as rhema, can never oppose the general application. And nothing that God said to me concerning those verses would oppose anything else in Scripture. Does that make sense? Let's move on to the next. Eyes of Revelation. I, I, I love this area of Scripture here. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really into prof, uh, the, the prophets of old, some of my favorite, uh, favorite uh, um, you know, people in the Bible. This is 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So let me give you a little bit of pre-context. Syria was out to get Elisha. They sent an army, and the army surrounded Dothan, which was the city that Elisha was in. They didn't even know it. It happened at night. Then Elisha woke up, and there was this army surrounding, and they were there to capture Elisha because of what he was doing in his ministry to help Israel. And then the servant started, get, started freaking out, getting all scared. And that's when Elisha had this very simple prayer. Lord, show my servant the reality of what's going on here. And that's when the Lord opens the servant's eyes and the servant saw that the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. He had eyes of revelation. Eyes of revelation is basically being able to see. Not, it doesn't have to be physical. It can be spiritual. But it's basically being able to see or know spiritual reality so we have a natural reality the natural reality is you and i we are here on a wednesday night i am teaching you the word of god you are listening you're going to go home eat a snack go to bed wake up and do your deal tomorrow there is a spiritual reality right along with our physical or natural reality the spiritual reality is each and every one of us has an encampment of angels all around about us right now as we seek guarding us protecting us watching over us waiting for a command from God to do whatever they need to do in the realm that we cannot see. And that is a spiritual reality. Right? So eyes of revelation is exactly what the young man needed and what the young man experienced. Remember the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Sometimes, you know, we're dealing with issues in life and we're, we're, we're trying so hard to overcome it, to deal with it. And, and it's just like nothing we say, nothing we, we, we can do gets any better. And then all of a sudden, hopefully a light bulb or hopefully someone tells you, you know what, it may not be a practical issue. Maybe you're dealing with a spiritual issue because the Bible does say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities of darkness. We wrestle against demons. We wrestle against evil spirits. And the list goes on. So guess what? That is a spiritual 
reality. Now, it's very important to see this way because, number one, it can boost confidence. I guarantee you, the servant of Elisha, after he saw the army of the Lord, horses and chariots of fire surrounding them, all of a sudden his confidence went up a few notches. He's like, oh yeah, we all died in a bag of chips. Let's rock and roll. He was ready to go to battle. His confidence boosted. I guarantee you it increased his faith. Like when you know that you got angels around about you, there is, at least for me, there is an increase of faith in my God. It can cause us to do more. If God be for you, who can be against you? That is a spiritual reality. When you have a spiritual reality, when you know God is for you, when you know the Holy Ghost empowers you, when you know you got a host of angels on your side, you realize, hey, I'm not in this boat all alone. I'm not in this battle all by myself. I can rise up and I can cut the head off of a giant because there is a spiritual reality, a spiritual awareness. There is a revelation of the eyes of the spirit that we have. Amen. Amen. Woo, I feel that one. Smack somebody and say, mm, I feel it. Give them a love pat. Might want to kiss them on the cheek if it's your spouse. Don't slap them, don't slap them. I don't know if I've ever told this. One time I said that speaking to some teenagers and there was a boyfriend and girlfriend that had a little squabble like before church. And you know what that little girl did? She turned over and she went whack right in that joker's face. <laughs> and you heard it. And everyone stopped and looked and was like, dang. <laughs> and that was my cousin who did that, my little cousin. <laughs> I was preaching at a family's church in Alabama years ago. Anyway, last one. Let me hurry up through this. Get you guys out of here a few minutes early. You guys understand that one, though, right? All right. I'm sorry I don't have a printout, because it would be good for you to know these five things. Or not, just be reminded of them, rather. Job 31.1, really like this. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Let me say that again. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? So he was basically saying he made a commitment with his eyes to not gaze at something that would lead him to sin. There is a difference between gazing and seeing. I hate to pick on King David. He's one of the favorites, but he's the easiest one to pick on in, in, in this context, in this regards. So David seeing Bathsheba bathing, he couldn't help that he saw her, right? But what he could help from doing was gazing at her. He walked up to his window or his balcony or whatever it was, and he looked down and he seen a beautiful woman naked in a pool of water. What he should have done immediately is turn around, leave the room, leave the balcony, and go take care of business. It wasn't his fault that he saw it. 
but it was his fault that he gazed upon her. You can't help what you see sometimes, but you can definitely help what, what we, I don't mean to point my fingers at you, we can't help what we see sometimes, but we can definitely help what we look at. And Job made a covenant. And he's like, how then could I gaze, could I look at a virgin? A woman that is desirable, but yet not for me. Something that could cause me to sin. Something that could cause me to stumble. Something that could cause me to wreck everything in my life that God has blessed me with. And the reason he was able to say that is because he made a covenant. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Not to gaze, not to stare, not to look upon anything that I shouldn't. This could be lust, like in this context, but it also could be anger. It could be envy. It can be jealousy. It could be anything that could lead us astray. Let's say someone makes you mad and you just keep thinking about it, thinking about it, and you just keep seeing what you want to do to that person. I like to smack the fire out of them. I like to put an elbow right upside their head. I like to... I like to go put acid on their car. I like to go pour sugar in their gas tank. I like to go throw a rock through their window. I'm just being stupid, right? I know someone who got acid thrown on their car once. That's why I know that. And it took, and it took out all the pain. But anyway. Uh, right? I mean, it could be anger. Or it could be envy or jealous. Like, your neighbor got a, got a I don't know, right, thinking, what's a popular car right now? That's expensive. Tahoe. Tahoe, man. Those things are overpriced. $60,000, $70,000 for SUV. Your neighbor just got one, and you've been wanting one, and you can't get one because you can't afford $1,000 or $1,200 a month for one, but you just keep looking at it. You keep looking at it. You keep looking at it. You think, and then all of a sudden, you're getting envious, and you're getting jealous. That should be, I work my butt off. I do good. I go to church. I pay my tithes. And all of a sudden, you're getting all riled up. That should, I should be driving that Tahoe. And then all of a sudden, you're mad at your neighbor for driving a Tahoe when you can't, get, when you can't drive the Tahoe. Why? Because you just keep looking at it. Just keep looking at it. Just keep looking at it. Does that make sense? But if we make a covenant with our eyes... Lord, I'm not going to gaze upon anything that could lead me to sin. Then we go back to the very first verse and we'll find that our eyes are healthy and our being is healthy and we're able to be blessed, we're able to have peace, we're able to have rest, we're able to continue as God would have us continue. Amen? eyes to see. Let me pray for you. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you enable us to have eyes to see in the way that you would have us to see. 
everything we talked about tonight. Healthy eyes, eyes that see the heart, eyes of understanding, eyes of revelation, covenant and covenant eyes. Help us, Lord, to maintain a 2020 vision for these five ways of seeing tonight. So that ultimately we can be pleasing to you. So that we can be in the right position to be used by you for those who might be in need. And so that we ourselves can be healthy. Healthy, happy, full of peace, full of rest, and just encouraged in this life. The enemy would all the enemy would love to uh, blind us or get our sight and our view in the direction it shouldn't, just like with David. But Lord, I just ask that you don't just protect our eyes because you really put the responsibility into our lap, our hands. But you convict us, you remind us, and you lead us to choose to see how we need to see so that we can be how we should be. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.